You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is the Scaling Up Services podcast. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. I'm here today with Evan Schneer from Outlaw, and we're going to talk a little bit about the work he's done on contracts and contract management and the platform he's developed. I like his intro here. I'll give, I'll give his full bio in the show notes. The piece I love is he loves coffee, video games, and Brooklyn. So my first question is, favorite type of coffee? Any favorites? <laughs> Just because I love coffee doesn't mean doesn't make me coffee. <laughs> then, okay, then I'll go to video I games. <laughs> are, you, are you a big Fortnite player? Fortnite? I don't oh, even... oh, no Fortnite. Like I said, I, I do. I'll say I love uh, I do love Nitro, Cold Brew Nitro. nitro. Okay. Oh, does, uh, got one. I have fall, yes. I fell in love with that last year, but I, I've had a hard time finding it. It's not at all the locations. It's hard yeah, to find. It's uh, but it's a treat when you when you do find it. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'll drink pretty much pretty much anything. If <laughs> when I actually refuse to drink something, you know, it's like seriously rank. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, welcome, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for being on. So, uh, you know, Evan and I spoke a little bit before about some of his background, and I, I think it would be really great, Evan, if we could just talk a little bit about kind of pre-outlaw, some of your, uh, you know, experiences that kind of led up to the work that you're doing there, and then we can talk about outlaw, and we talk about you know what it does, and and kind of your ideas around the challenges around contracts and documents and communicating that. And certainly that's, that's huge in services and helping companies figure out how to define scopes and, you know, managing engagements and things. But so give us the backstory. Yeah, sure. It's funny. I was just thinking as you're, as you're uh, framing that question as an entrepreneur, you're kind of constantly iterating on your, on your, like, why are you doing this? What, what led you here and why are you doing this? So it'll be interesting to uh, look back on this and see if my answer today is the same as in another year from now. But, uh, my current version at least is, uh, uh, so I'm I'm the son of a retired corporate lawyer. That I don't think that piece will change. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and so my dad my dad used to always give me just contract advice anytime I got it early on in my career when I would get a contract whether anything from like a an employment contract to just NDAs and partnership stuff I would initially run stuff by him and then I became more and more comfortable with myself. And so it kind of became the de facto contract guy in whatever business context I was in where people now send me contracts. So I became pretty comfortable with it myself. But in unlike some problems, I think the more comfortable with it I got, the more frustrated with it I also got. Because every time I would either look at a contract for myself or, or help a friend or help a colleague, I just felt like there's two parties here. Sometimes it's more than two, but generally it's two parties who have, by the time you get to a contract, you already have decided you want to do something together. It could be something super simple. Maybe it's an NDA and all you've decided so far is you want to share information. One of the uh, tenets of contract law is the notion of a meeting of the minds, the idea of the mutual intent. And I found the mutual intent, the minds have already met. By the time you're actually, <laughs> by the time you're actually looking at a contract, the minds have met. Yeah. Uh, that's been my experience, I think, across the board yeah. and every contract experience I've ever had. And yet the contract process has this tendency of at best kind of like you slog through it and at worst you know when you start digging in and you've got one or both parties frequently are not legally sophisticated at best it slows things down and at worst it causes the deal to explode yeah people start digging in and asking questions 
And there's frequently stuff on one side or the other where the party sending the agreement frequently has it has stuff they don't even know that they're proposing or asking for. And then the other side passes it to their lawyer. There's so many different permutations. Yeah, I always love that situation when, when you get a contract from someone and, and you see a term and you question them on the term and they're like, oh, that's in there? Yeah. <laughs> they don't even realize what they've sent you. <laughs> or, oh, that's in there? Wait, yeah. what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, we, I mean, actually, this place that we bought a year ago, the mm-hmm. seller had required things of us as the buyers that she didn't even know she was requiring. And it made it, you know, unnecessarily cumbersome, which was not her intent. But, you know, it was this this sense that this is actually a good example of that, where she was a, a forthright seller and mm-hmm. we were, it was an honest deal. And yet it felt so much more, there was so much more tension and it was so much more stressful, I think, for both both of us than it should be. When when the minds have already met, with, the key thing for a real estate transaction is price. You know, like we had agreed on price, by the time we got to a contract, and yet there was this crazy, pro- I mean, well, part of that is a mortgage, but mortgage aside, yeah. this crazy process of actually getting into contract and maintaining those that meeting of the mind state through an actual legal agreement. I had this kind of vague notion that this is frustrating, there's a better way. And in my, this is my second, my second tech startup. The first one was acquired in, we started in 2009 and were acquired in 2012 by TripAdvisor. Congratulations. Thank you. I think that experience really started to gel the more of the product idea and the business idea for what ultimately now became Outlaw. Not that I'm really expecting too many people to start using Outlaw for M&A transactions, <laughs> but I'm sure we'll hopefully we'll have one someday, yeah. not too. But yeah, I mean, that that experience was really it was this very almost two discrete phases. The first phase was like this glorified job interview where mm-hmm. there was a lot of fit, a lot of discussions kind of, you know, getting to that process of do we are do we have mutual intent? Do we want to sell? Do you want to buy? You know, are we are we on the same page about what we want to do together? Do we agree on price and so forth? That took maybe six weeks, five, six weeks to get from first discussion to term sheet. And a term sheet is a plain English version of the deal. You know, it, it describes in English what what it is that you guys are both agreeing to. For an M&A transaction, it's still not super short. That was maybe seven or eight pages. But, you know, all three co-founders read the term sheet. We understood yeah. it. We were agreed. And then the next seven weeks after that was a process of blowing out the seven page term sheet into the 150 page acquisition yeah. document that yeah. said all the same things, you know, five years now, six years later, you know, nothing changed. Yeah. <laughs> all of the contingencies and what ifs and, if, you know, if thens, almost none of them were came into play even. Yeah. Uh, and even if they had come into play, frankly, the, the it was spelled out granularly enough in the term sheet that we would have known what to do anyway. So I think going through that process really just made me feel like and the other the other piece about that was that we had counsel and everything by that point but the the legalese in that deal was so cumbersome that i was the only one of the three co-founders who even read the transaction document (laughs) (laughs) and it's like if that doesn't tell you there's a problem yeah you know that selling your business (laughs) and not reading the transaction of your baby that you've just created and spent years working on and the legalese is so just cumbersome and polarizing that that people don't even read that. So uh, that was really kind of what's, I, I remember actually even saying to some of my former team, like right around the time of the acquisition, I said, I have the next, I know what the next one is. 
<laughs> I wasn't I wasn't quite ready to jump right in. That's great. Uh, but I said this is the next this is the next business. So let me know if you <laughs> yeah. if you're interested too. So you did the deal. So you you realized this whole kind of contract process. And I think from a services point of view, I think this is really important because most product companies or companies that are running on a more product model, they, they have a pretty fixed agreement. You know, you're not negotiating terms with every single person that subscribes to a service or right. you know buys a license. And generally, you know, most of those things are actually covered by consumer protection laws as well. So it's not, you're not actually negotiating a whole lot. There's, there's a pretty right. set playing field, but in services, I mean, we're constantly negotiating master services agreements and, yep. you know, uh, scope of works and work orders and statements of work. So, I mean, this kind of back and forth is is pretty common yeah. on the services yeah. side. So, totally. so you had these experiences. So Outlaw addresses those problems. So tell us about how it addresses those problems and, and kind of how you envision the company and what you've been developing. Yeah. Yeah. This is the piece that's really evolving there. Like what what is the big like the big vision line of what we're doing? I think really what we're doing is trying to vastly improve the whole contract experience for anyone involved, whether that's sender, recipient, outside counsel, colleagues who may want to look at a provision and so on, like just really mapping out the whole thing and saying, and as we've done that, we've realized, wow, it really sucks for everyone. So, so like really like looking at it by different user types and different scenarios and saying, how can we use technology and English to just improve this? So that's obviously kind of a big nebulous statement. I'd say where we started was with the, we started with the piece of the problem that we felt the most ourselves, and that is as recipients. You, you receive, a, and, and service is a great yeah. example, where you've got, uh, so my co-founder, Dan, is a, is a great designer and has a lot of experience in freelance, just as most designers, in doing freelance work. His typical experience is, again, he goes in, he goes for an interview, maybe they look at his portfolio, and then pretty quickly get to that meeting of the minds place where they say, well, we have this gig, you figure out rate, figure out scope. And so by the time he sees a contract, they've already agreed on rate and scope, and yeah. it's basically, okay, let's let's sign it. But still, he gets these contracts that are anywhere from four or five pages, if it's a smaller company, to you know, IBM, I think we saw theirs is like 40 pages oh, just for, for like, you know, yeah. for a generic MSA. Yeah. And so he's, he, you know, eyes glaze over stress. <laughs> yeah. He gets visibly, visibly stressed. And then he forwards the email to me and I'm like, <laughs> this is, yeah, this is crazy. So, so the recipient, the, the, the first piece is that piece of the overall flow that I think that also really resonates with people when we talk to it, it is that recipient experience, even, even more experienced business, business people, when they receive contracts, you'll get a DocuSign link or something. And it's just kind of this sinking feeling where you're like, I'm excited to start, but uh, I have this kind of ridiculous process I need to go through where I sort of pretend to read stuff that I'm really not actually going to read yeah. and then ultimately cross my fingers and sign. So the, the initial piece that we set out to solve, and this is partly why we put so much emphasis on this uh, plain English overview, we, our current sort of slogan or tagline, I guess, is is close deals faster using plain English, mm -hmm. stemming from that recipient pain. And also realizing that it's actually fairly straightforward to solve that pain. You know, it turns out all you need to do to not give someone that terrible experience is put a, a cover on it, mm -hmm. which some people do do in email. You know, you'll, yep. you'll send the email that says, hey, I'm really excited to get started. 
here's the key terms to just make sure we're on the same page. Please sign the attached contract. So we actually find a lot of our a lot of our customers who are actually the senders, which I'll get to in a second, are doing exactly that with that overview. Now you can actually get a lot deeper. You can start gradually explaining, you know, highlighting bits of the contract if you want to make sure that someone really does understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there are lots of places where that makes sense and is, and can kind of pay itself, pay dividends down the line when you, you know, make sure you actually are on the same page about something that might come up six months later. So we set out, we set out to solve this recipient problem. As we got into market and started started getting customers, we realized you can't solve a recipient problem directly because to do that, it has to come from a sender. And if the sender yeah. is using the same process that they're using for everyone, for you know that most others are using, then you know unless we're going to do some elaborate uh, natural language processing AI thing or feed in the contract and have it interpret. This is um, what I think they meant to tell you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there are there are startups to you know I would yeah. love to get to that point someday. But that's like multiple years of R&D. And, and yeah. the, the real challenge of that, too, is that you might be able to get to a, you know, 85 or 90 percent accuracy and helpfulness. Yep. But in a legal context, that's not enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, the, the burden we there is much higher. Yeah. yeah. So, so we, we realized pretty quickly, like, there's a, we have to solve the sender problem. Got it. Fortunately, the sender also suffers not necessarily purely from the the lack of understanding, but they still suffer a lot from just how painful the process is. What's interesting in a in a services space is that small and medium businesses actually have worse tools than consumers when it comes to contracts. If I'm a consumer and I need a lease, for instance, I can yeah. go on LegalZoom or Rocket Lawyer and fill in some blanks and get some kind of what seems to be a decent generic standard lease. Yeah. But if I'm any consultancy who just wants to provide my services and wants a contract behind it, the, the odds are I've, I've already done the work or I'm doing the work of engaging counsel to have my own flavor of my, of my services agreement. But then it's just in a Word doc. And when it comes to actually signing on a client, I need to dig up that template, fill it in. And we see all, all kinds of workarounds under the sun. Sometimes people have an image in the, in the Word doc. People are, I mean, I'm sure you've seen, it's not even hard. So it's more like the standard behavior that I get Word docs with someone else's signature block in it yeah. or with missing number. I mean, there's so many issues. And, and so the sender, and also, and the other thing too, is as you get into like a mid-sized company, frequently the people who are sending these out, you'll have a, an HR person or an operations person. It's someone who's dealing with these every day, but again, it's not really legally sophisticated. And so if the second there's any question from the other side, it's like, oh, I, I don't know. I have to, I have to run it by legal. Yeah. Kind of throw up your hands and, and this, have to punt it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you also have this, this kind of weird passive aggressive thing that happens where like the other side <laughs> wants to ask a question, but they don't want to trigger yeah. that reaction of, yeah. of having it go to legal. There's like this implicit threat that it's going to take three more weeks yeah. if you ask a question. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, look, I've, I've seen it, you know, used as a negotiation tool where it's like, well, I, you know, yeah, I, I could consider that change, but then I'd have to kick it up to legal. That's going to take right. three weeks. So <laughs> you got to decide if it's worth it for you. You know, yeah, so yeah. It, it actually is. It's not a super productive process. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I see the challenges. Yeah. So, so we, so as we started to look at that, we realized centers have this, suffer from a whole slew of problems that are related as well. Then we kind of focused more on uh, really building out the sender tools and having this really full-fledged, yeah. really kind of document contract template authoring environment that lets people 
define variables and have all these conditional uh, clauses so mm-hmm. they can include things based on the, you know, say if it's an LLC, then we need this. If we're doing business with a, an individual, then we have this clause. If it's with another business, then we have this other clause and things like that. Mm-hmm. And kind of just all lots of lots of little bells and whistles that come into play, really that Word should have, but but doesn't because it's such a horizontal tool. You know, when you actually say, Let, let's build a word processor that is, you know, highly structured, never breaks when it comes to numbering. If you remove a section, there's only one numbering system. So the rest yes. you know, the updates, you don't get these orphaned. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. that when we can build when we know that it's a legal contract context. Yeah. So it sounds like conceptually, it's the one facet is I have uh, a layer, a layer that sits on top where I can put in non-legalese versions or, or explanations of things. I can put in notes. I can uh, descriptions, definitions. And the other facet is that as a sender, I can create a more sort of dynamic document or I can yeah. conceive of the different possibilities or, se- or different versions of sections. Yeah. Um, now, is the idea that uh, when I have a particular engagement or a particular uh, uh, deal that I'm going to strike that I go through and kind of select the options that I need for that particular, the, the recipe for that particular deal. And then it yeah. sends, it sends them that version or is, does it actually give them options to be able to say, all right, well, look, these, these are pre-approved things that you could choose from. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's it. You're striking on a subtle, a subtlety that is super important in the actual process in real life, because yeah, that, that we get cases where, uh, especially when there's like two, when, when there's in-house counsel and then a separate, when it's not the same person who is drafting yeah. the, the form of the agreement and sending it out, it's it's a major advantage for legal to be able to sort of pre-approve those different permutations mm-hmm. and say, you know, here's the, here's the four different structures of the contract that we, that you are, that, that I'm blessing. Yeah. And the, and then the whole team, you know, sometimes it's one person, sometimes the whole team and they, they are all now kind of unleashed, which is really powerful in a sales yeah. context, you know, yeah. to, for the salesperson to be able to make that decision on the fly and say, oh, you know, I can agree to that. Let's do it. You know, or, or to say, you know, if, if you'll sign right now, yeah, then exactly. I can agree to that. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I like that idea. It's sort of the immediacy or, you know, kind of giving them the power to cut the best deal that, you know, the deal that needs to be cut for that particular opportunity and that right. particular customer. Right. And being able to say, all right, look, yeah, I've I've got options that are pre-approved. I don't need to go back. I don't need to take a day to get back to you or a week to get this approved. Exactly. Um, That's large. It it also helps. uh, I mean, it also helps really weed out who is serious and who's not. Yeah. Which is which is an interesting. Yeah, actually, it was this was a much a much older a much older version of the product that was that was not nearly as polished as it is today. But I think the first scenario where where we used Outlaw really live in the wild and saw what it was capable of was we closed. This is I, I have a parallel consulting business, mm-hmm. and we used it there for a client gig that we were pitching. And being able to go from that fluidly go in one discussion from hey, this is what we're talking about doing, you know, hammering out the bullets and the of the project to, all right, here's the contract. It was almost like a dare. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think the, the client didn't want to call my bluff. <laughs> yes. And so we closed, we closed a pretty significant gig in like a week going from like from first discussion to signed deal. And it was because I was able to say, all right, you know, if you're serious, 
there's nothing else that needs to happen. Like I've already got everything's templated. We've already mm -hmm. I put in the, the custom pieces that we've already talked about. Everything else is really stock, so I can actually draft it right on the spot as we're talking. Yeah. And there's only one step remaining. So this is this is great because I think one of the one of the fundamental principles I find when we look at uh, service-based companies, when we're looking at scaling, how do we grow? The whole idea of standardizing and operationalizing a lot of these kind of choices and decisions, you know, getting it down to a couple of options that address the bulk of the market so that we can be more efficient because yeah. we just, it's less work, which I yes. think is important. You know, we're not yes. spending as much time on it from a, you know, cost point of view. But I think more importantly, what you're touching on is that it's the speed of sale and the speed of service and the speed of yes. uh, delivery. Is exactly. Now I, I have now aligned the whole sales process delivery yep. process, customer service process, so that I can continuously improve upon that. And when I, mm -hmm. when I have that problem with a particular customer in a situation, I can actually look back to what do I need to do differently in our process yeah. to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So how do we bake quality into it? And I think this is yeah. a great example of, of how you actually do that in the early stage is decide, okay, look, we're going to have three different pricing options and we're fine with any of them. And, uh, but they're all things that we know we can deliver on and we can know we've operationalized so we can successfully be successful on rather than trying to figure out this, you know, custom pricing scheme, you know, yeah. we're going to do a 30 day on this client or we're going to split it into three payments. And this one, the, the third payment is going to be after delivery on this one and after <laughs> approval on this one. I've just, I've seen so many things and just, just trying to keep track of all yeah. them yeah. and the financing of it. I mean, I think people end up, you know, it was one of the reasons people's accounts receivables are so large <laughs> yeah. because, because the, the uh, invoicing and collection is so complicated. But I, I like that whole idea of sort of standardizing. And, and, but I think it's 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 important to say that there's still choice. That's the other piece I like about it is that it's not that you're you're you know forcing a client to only do one particular thing. You're giving them options, and you and you can create options that address very real situations in the market. But you've thought about the options in a way that that you're equal. That you're equal with any any one of those, and you're fine with them, and you've you've made sure that you can deliver on it. Yeah, exactly, and and it and it really uh, reduces the the madness on their end too. A, a perfect example is we have a, a real estate customer who, as they were onboarding, they sent us in what in their mind was their nine templates, and it was nine different. Mm. It was actually all their engagement letter. It's a, it's um so you know the, that first touch point with a client mm -hmm. when the broker when the agent says okay we're going to represent you and sell your property and they have nine templates in in their minds mm -hmm. we looked at it and said well this is at most three templates yeah. because there's there's one for a townhouse there's one for a condo and there's one i forget the other one yeah. uh, maybe it's commercial and then within each of these three variations they had three sub variations so it was like three by three yeah. and we said you know these templates are 95 percent identical yeah you're managing them and trying to coordinate these, you know, the, the common language across all these. But there's only one, there's one vari variable, you know, you change, you choose the property type. Yeah. And, and so that, that not, not only, um, well, that, that really make, it doesn't just make for a smoother sale. It also makes for less error. Yeah. Uh, it just, it makes it, it, uh, just every, the whole thing, the whole thing easier. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think that the whole idea of less error that you can actually, you can design, uh, your operations and train your people to be able to deliver at a very high quality level again and again and again, when you've yeah. reduced the variability, the, the dynamic variability out of a lot of these options. And, and, yeah. you know, from my point of view, when I'm looking, we're looking for companies of how do we go from, you know, a couple of million to tens of millions to a hundred million, 
Like you, you absolutely have to do that because if you have, yeah. if you have complexity at a million and you try to go to 10, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're just multiplying <laughs> your complexity by 10 right. as much as you're multiplying your revenue. So yeah, really figuring that stuff out. Uh, so, so, so if someone is interested in learning more about outlaw, about the product, about what you guys have been do- doing uh, on the contract space, how can people get a hold of you, get to learn more about uh, the product and the business? Uh, definitely go in, go on and, you know, take a look on the, on the site on getoutlaw.com. And if you're interested in, in actually, uh, potentially onboarding as a customer, I would say probably just email me, honestly, as much as I hate email. (laughs) Different problem to be solved later. Different problem. Absolutely. Yeah. So just Evan at getoutlaw.com and I'd be happy to do a demo and, and onboard, onboard people. Perfect. And I, I will make sure for everyone listening uh, and watching this, will the notes, those links and your email address will be on the, on the show notes bef- below Perfect. here so they can click through on that. Evan, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on. I'm, I'm excited to, to keep in touch and hear how the product goes. Great. Thanks a lot, Bruce. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.